Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we're continuing a great week of discussing injuries and how you can prevent them. Today's topic is all about microloading. Yesterday we talked about macroloading and how load affects your injuries. Today we're going to be talking microloading. Stick around. Let's rock everyone. If you're new to the tribe, Rich is behind the mix. Phil and Nalesh are at the table with me and I am Rad Burmeister. We are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by our rehab programs, the Unity Gym rehab programs. They are really, really good for helping people get started if you don't know how to get off uh, off the um, start line when you've got an injury. Now, you can get daily coaching by us, plus our Epic Foundations prep program and revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance if you jump on board and grab your first free month free on the UMS online coaching program. Now, I'm excited to announce that we have an epic 72-hour flash sale coming up this Friday for our rehab program. So for any of you that are dealing with injuries that you just can't seem to shake, there's going to be a really good opportunity for you to see how we deal with them. So don't miss out. It's going to go live this Friday. Before we get started, warm welcome. If you're on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group, leave a comment and we'll send you some love. Remember, anyone can join and interact with us. And lastly, shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit the like button to support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see. So joining us today, we have Phil White and Nilesh Murti from ADPT Physio. How are you today, guys? Hey, well. Going well, thank you. Yeah, we've just had a good productive meeting about trying to start to launch our own content and social media um, this morning. Because if anyone has been following along, we've got our pages up but haven't started posting yet because we've been planning big things. So... Uh, watch this space and if you haven't already um, do jump onto Instagram or Facebook and and follow ADPT Physio. Rock on, rock on. And today we are, this is going to be a really good show because you know if you're if you're here tuning in wanting to learn about injuries then you know we've got two of the best sports physios around that I've ever met and um, they're going to be uh, talking through uh, this this great topic of microloading uh, technique and biomechanics. So Phil do you want to um, you know, get us started off by talking about what, what microloading is. Yeah, so if we go back to Monday when we first started talking about this whole big topic, we were talking about how we can look to prevent injuries and basically also how we can look back on what we've done in the past that's maybe um, caused injuries to start in the first place. And we had a bit of a differentiation between um, acute traumatic injuries and more of these sort of insidious onset um, either like kind of, I don't like the term overuse, but basically like a loading error injury, which can kind of turn up in the form of either something like tendinopathy or it can turn up in something like a bit of a a joint aggravation. So, um, and they do have quite specific um, different approaches to rehab them, but but they usually come from these ideas of like a loading error. So you've gone from doing um, something too hard too soon. And again, I love, and we keep bringing it up, the phrase that Nilesh had for it's not high load that gets you, it's how you get there. So it's what we've been talking about over the last couple of days is basically like how can you troubleshoot and how can you plan to basically get your loading parameters right and get this idea of load management right, which we often talk about, but now we want to get into the nitty gritty about 
what is load management. Yeah. And yesterday we talked about um, macro loading, which is all about um, basically like the big picture stuff with your exercise programming and also what you're doing outside of the gym. Um, but now today we're looking at kind of specifics of how you do movements and how you can tweak different variables within the movement or um, different techniques you can do or um, basically different variations and progressions of movements to either like deload certain structures that are injured or prepare your body for a certain demand of a sport or goal that you're trying to achieve. Yep, yeah, awesome. And if you don't, um, if you don't yet know, if you're wondering what, what load means, load is really, you know, we have the macro and the micro loading that Phil just talked about. And, and load is really itself the combination of intensity and volume. And volume refers to how, how much of something you're doing. So how many reps, how many sets within a workout or how long you ran for and how many times a week you do it. That's volume. Intensity refers to how heavy or how hard you're going. So, you know, a low intensity run would generally refer to running at a slower pace on a sur- or on a surface that's quite forgiving. Whereas a high intensity run would be like sprinting or going on a surface that's not very forgiving. Whereas when you talk about with weightlifting or resistance training, increasing the intensity means putting more weight on um, or going to a harder progression of calisthenics movement. So in a nutshell, that's what load is if you've Yeah, and just some really other little specifics sort of in the, um, as well as thinking about stretching loading because we're talking um, to a lot of people here on the podcast who love their mobility work and love their um, high intensity stretching. So that's definitely a load that doesn't maybe fit into that Mm -hmm. um, sort of intensity framework so well. And the other thing that is often overlooked is is compressive loading and how that can also affect um, certain structures. So particularly with tendinopathies, that can be something that people get quite wrong is that they, you know, don't take into account the effect that um, compression of the tendon or, or with bursa injuries as well, that can be a load that you need to manage as well. So, mm. um, yeah. 100% don't forget, don't forget your lower backs, your knees, and yep. the most forgotten, Achilles. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so compression and part of that is going to be high load, uh, sorry, high speed compression. So impact, um, which is often something that freaks people out when they are injured is about getting into impact. And what we really need to think is you need to gradually build it up and like just like everything. But another is like slow load compression where you get issues like um, uh, massaging tendinopathies and that can actually be quite an aggravating thing for them or doing um, calf raise exercises in a Achilles that has like a, a distal Achilles um, tendinopathy can actually be counterproductive. So um, yeah, that's yeah. just a big sort of overview of the things they're looking at here. Um, and let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. So um, yeah, look, talk us through micro loading, Phil. Talk uh, us through it. Sure, so the basic, basic idea with micro loading is, is thinking about it's how you're um, ch- doing this particular exercises because we in the macro loading picture you can say like hey okay on um, I'm doing three lower body days and two upper body days a week um, training wise but for someone who has um, a shoulder injury it's going to really like the exercise selection and how you're doing the exercises on the upper body days are really going to impact it so um, probably the most common thing I see um, exercise selection wise is that for people with um, you know pain lifting shoulders up overhead um, looking at technique to um, bring you know go into a more neutral grip dumbbell work um, elbows tucked in um, that's so basically the exercise selection for like a neutral grip pull up and a dumbbell overhead press is going to be less aggravating generally than something where you're either like a pronated grip pull up or a um, you know uh, a, a wider dumbbell press so that's looking at exercise selection and how just changing those little things can mean that you can still 
participate in the program day, but just choose a different selection. And then looking at the technique side of things, there's also different things about how you do those exercises. So thinking about keeping the chest tall, shoulders back and down in your back pockets, like we always talk about, um, that active hang position that I've um, talked about quite a lot, um, steadying the rest of the body, controlling the um, contraction speed so that you're really intentional about where you're finishing the rep and you're not just blasting through and losing tension, uh, bracing with your breathing um, so that you uh, have set up a really strong um, you know, base to, to produce force. Those are technique variables that can then make an, a movement either um, you know, that was previously uncomfortable quite comfortable. Yeah. I think I'm going to use you as an example because as yeah, soon as you yeah, said shoulder, sure. my, sure. I had a light bulb moment. Um, you're a perfect example because we planned your week this week. Um, obviously, going back on yesterday or the earlier week's chat, the macro, we worked on that, which was your key lifts being Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. Then now going into today's chat with Phil, your macro, micros. You know, we've mm-hmm. put your shoulder blast in and you've mm-hmm. tweaked your reps. You've tweaked your load. Mm-hmm. We've tweaked your technique to mm-hmm. on your Tuesday and Thursdays to obviously squeeze there. So you um, squeeze that in so you're getting exposure that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it all comes down to planning. So you can, as you can see for you, you, you've got your big days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday being your high days, mm-hmm. your um, compound lifts, mm-hmm. and then your Tuesday and Thursday being your you know, micro-focus days where mm-hmm. you're doing your accessory lifts or where you're challenging stability, mm-hmm. unilateral loading, and, and different, different ranges. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good grasp for me to understand what Phil just said. Yeah, yeah, you're Dividing sure. it up. And why is it from I, I want you I want you guys to explain this rather than for me to to have a crack at it. But why is it that you can have a shoulder injury and you can be doing something a certain way, and it really really hurts and it aggravates it and it makes things worse. But when you use these micro loading principles by doing a, a different variation of the exercise or a different way of bracing your scapula or shoulders, whatever, why is it that you can go from doing something that makes an injury worse to doing something that makes it better? I think it's simply defined with a mechanical advantage. So you put yourself in a position with shorter, longer levers, um, get your torso involved or get your sling, kinetic change involved, whatever you want to call it, to get you in a mechanical advantage position to lift pain-free or being asymptomatic. So um, best way to put it without taking all the medical words out of it is getting to a position where you're not vulnerable Mm -hmm. and all your muscles are going to initiate and pass on the energy all the way through Mm. Um, normally if you put yourself in a you know say outer range or full range you have pain pain equals let's stop doing this which means i'm I'm not going to complete the move am i so and so it kind of comes down to that idea of um in the past, if you listen to uh, me talk about injuries before, I often like to kind of lump things into active and passive structures. So if it's a passive structure injury, so that's going to be like a cartilage, bone, uh, ligament, joint capsule, all those things that can't contract no matter how hard you, you try. Um, those structures, especially in the shoulder, are going to be, it's such a dynamic joint that if you don't have muscular control, then those that's where you're going to get um, aggravation. So a bursa is a classic one as well with any sort like when you're getting pain with that overhead um, position we talked about. So basically if your active structures can't control the um, the ball in the middle of the socket with a the joint, um, then you're likely to get some aggravation. And so what we common, commonly see is with people who are getting um, into the weights the first time and they're really loosey-goosey with their with their movements and they're not, they haven't kind of figured out all that um, technique and bracing is that basically um, it means that that because they haven't set up 
that technique and they haven't set up all the tension, that, that's where the mechanical um, disadvantages come into it. Because if your shoulder blades aren't set in an optimal position, then that means that you're not going to get as good force development from your rotator cuff muscles, which are keeping the ball in the middle of the socket. And if the ball in the middle of the socket can't control um, the movement so well, then that's going to impact the passive structures and, and cause injury. So um, it's kind of, and then if we're thinking about an active structure, injury then um, basically with muscles they're, they're always strongest in their um, mid-range and then outer and inner range so when they're most stretched or most compressed they're not going to be as strong so setting up techniques that can optimize those positions um, is going to be uh, yeah really important so with Vinny he's actually talking about he's got a forearm injury and how it's um, he's asking if it's as simple as backing it off um, if it hurts um, and I've been managing to modify how I hold the weights to make it through daily workouts. And a good example of this, for it's really common for people with, um, you know, uh, golfer's elbow, um, medial elbow, forearm tendinopathies, is that doing supinated grips can be really aggravating, but then when you go into a neutral grip, then what you're doing there is you're bringing in a whole other elbow flexor to help out the, um, the biceps and the muscles that cross your elbow joint and the forearm, and that's going to functionally deload the tendinopathy by bringing in another muscle just from a simple hand mm. grip change. So that's a perfect example of this idea of changing your microloading. So you're still programmed as a, um, you know, getting your, your vertical pull in for the day, but just that exercise selection and um, that in combined with how you're setting your shoulder blades is going to make it much easier to make the predominant prime mover of that uh, movement going to be elbow, uh, sorry, shoulder extension and mm. abduction instead of really putting the load into your elbow flexion. And that makes a lot of sense to me because I, I didn't really think of that, but um, you know, before learning about this stuff with you guys, but if you try and do a pull up and you're not really engaging with your scapular depressors, you're not using the shoulder, the whole shoulder system, the way that it's meant to be used, then the you know, it's the elbow joint that has to be doing that work, right? Yeah, and, so and you, you, you so commonly see that with the people who have their elbow, like their, yeah, their, yeah. Rounded their you know, their shoulders up by their ears and they're rounding their shoulders is basically they haven't got bicep that. pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah great, for the, great for the biceps. <laughs> and again, what's really nice about just this technique change of, or, or exercise selection change of going from supinated to pronated is that you're still getting a good amount of load through the elbow flexors, which for a tendinopathy is exactly what we want, is we want a good stimulus to... Um, you know, elicit response. It's still a satisfying movement that you're going to um, uh, start to feel like you've done a, a good workout. You also get a bit of um, a brachioradialis hypertrophy, which looks nice on the um, on your forearms. And it's just a great way of, of just having that little bit of knowledge can help you stay engaged in your training instead of being like, ah, oh, stupid pull-ups that yeah, you can't, yeah. I can't do them. So. Yeah, and man, I've experienced that. Like I, when I had my... Um, golfer's elbow I really experienced that where the supinated grip there was just no chance but when I went to a neutral grip or a pronated grip I could still work through it you know exactly it's right. quite amazing um, so micro loading there's it's not just the exercise selection but it's um, it's it's the way that you're really using the the whole kinetic chain right like it's the way that like for a pull-up you're using the the core the shoulder the elbow the wrist joint to be able to disperse the load the way that the body wants it exactly and i think an, another good example that i'm sure plenty of people have come across in the past is is with getting into running for the first time and a lot of people will you know even if you have a really well programmed running um program where you have you know a, a steady state day and a, um, a day where you're doing maybe more hill sprints than maybe like a, another day where you're doing um walk run intervals 
like which you, is all macro loading right? yeah which yeah. looking at that kind of big macro loading picture like you'd you know look at that and be like tick this person's yeah. got yeah. a great yeah. sort of introduction great to running yeah. but then you watch them run and you know they're running on the toes and their knees are like flopping mm. out to the sides and um you know they start to get a bit of pain in the calves and a bit of pain in the hips then you can see how if you compared that to someone who you know has a really nice running technique that there's probably going to be some um you know changes in where what part of the the connect chain that's loading so for someone who's bouncing around on the toes they might be quite quick but that's going to be really quickly um cook the calves and because you're putting that tendon um, in the Achilles under so much of the stretch shortening cycle, which is basically that spring-like action, which can become really quite fatiguing, and then you get an Achilles tendinopathy. Whereas if you're looking at someone who has a slightly more sort of mid-foot strike, who can use the extensors in their hip, the extensors at their knee, and then, you know, still using the plantar flexors, your, your calves, but at a slightly lower intensity comparatively, um, then that person's probably going to be able to build up their running a bit more effectively. Mm. Now, I do want to kind of cover this in a big, like, blanket of... There's a lot of look into, I guess, optimal technique, and there's it. It is so variable with person to person, and some people will have just like genetic makeup that you know they have really like particularly resilient tendons and like function better when they are bounding along forefoot. But I think the key message, the key takeaway, is consider this as something that will impact what you're doing. You can't just get a perfect program. You have to look at how you're doing it as well. Yep. Okay. Cool. So do you wanna, I was just thinking with Nilesh on the show and all the experience kind of from the sporting world, like, you, I mean, I've just been blown away with um, some of the spreadsheets you've shown me with <laughs> the um, just the level of detail in the exercise progressions. And you've best, you know, this is something that's like I love about the Unity program is there's a fundamental movements and there's progressions through each of them. But mate, that, that, that spreadsheet's kind of whole nother yeah. <laughs> level of fine detail. So do you want to maybe just give an insight into kind of how that comes into play practically with rehabbing athletes? I think it gives us a, um, a pathway or a graded pathway, which we've been able to put into you. Um, you go through um, obviously different phases like you do with any program and which is focused on strength, weight loss, mobility, whatever it is. But it's, um, you know, you'll have your load introduction um, where you want to, sorry, we'll go back, sorry. It's um, protection phase. So for you or anyone, it's about getting the symptoms, decreased symptoms and so forth and get them moving. Then it's load introduction comes in, which is where we start having bilateral lifts or just getting movement going through reps of 10 to 12 or as as every physio does, three by 12, yeah. is it? Um, that's a physio joke, by the yeah, way. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it used to be 10, but I think, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, so you just get them moving, tick them over, introdu introduce load, but then comes the strength accumulation phase, which... Um, Again, going to detail, that's when your bilateral loads turn into unilateral loads. So again, two leg to one leg. Two leg to one leg. One so leg, example, a barbell bridge, double leg barbell bridge we spoke about earlier before the potty, um, turns into a split stance. Mm -hmm. So you start biasing, which turns into then a single leg, which is what we call unilateral loading in the physio world. Um, so that's how a progression pathway goes. Along that pathway comes um, speed of contraction. So example, how quick you're doing your one to six reps or one to 12 reps or high speed exposure or D cell. Again, there's so many different, different components yeah, we I think look just at. Cause you like, 
um, you've gone over so much good stuff there. Like really understanding that kind of idea about the speed of contraction is key for when you're getting into something like a, um, a sport where you're doing, you know, running, changing direction, um, both, the, both the ability to contract quickly in the concentric phase. So basically like being able to push off and, and create a lot of power is really key. And you've got to, um, you know, get your muscles used to that, but you also have to get your joints used to, to that as well. But then the really key thing is, is also being able to decelerate. And that's so commonly where you see those hamstring injuries is where, you know, someone's just like started sprinting and their legs whipping through. And then suddenly you can't control the knee coming to, what we call terminal extension back to like that neutral position in running um, and that's where people will tear their hammy in so that's where understanding and, and guys if you look at any unity programs like it always has that tempo in there like follow that tempo it's there for a reason there are ones where you're doing those brutal really long slow eccentrics which is basically kind of building up a bit of capacity like capacity to lengthen under um under tension but then if you do want to do something sport specific like keep in mind what that sport needs and, yeah. and practice it if you're getting into like i'm a really keen beach volleyball these days and like you know working on your plyometric work you can't just go from zero to like super heavy like super high box jumps which is what i did when i first started um getting into the gym a couple of years ago and gave myself some really aggravated fai and a whole bunch of issues um but you know starting with depth drops so you're just getting used to that um you know that impact force and then building up step by step so second right yeah 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 awesome spot on it's um it's something that even as a personal trainer when i hear you guys talk about this stuff it, it makes me go wow you know there's a lot to this so yeah and, and i don't want you guys to all think like oh i need to be like you know so involved with every single one of these things i would say like get your technique right and, and pay attention to the cues but like what we're trying to talk about here is not that you need to totally micromanage absolutely everything but like appreciate that there are all these variables that you can tweak and if you do have very specific goals that you like this is how you want to be thinking about preparing yourself for mm -hmm. a particular sport especially if you're like i always kind of talk about the, like the buffer size for injury especially when you get a bit older when you haven't been doing as much like movement variability like when you're a kid and you're playing a whole bunch of different sports and you're running around at um at lunchtime and you know maybe jumping in the monkey bars and you're you're doing all sorts of stuff you have lots of movement variability in your day so you're going to be fairly like ready for for most things and that's why generally kids get away with just you know picking up a new thing and just running with it and not getting injured but when you're older and you spend most of your day at your computer and then you get home and you you know you're doing all your basic chores and you you know you might fit in like three runs a week that movement variability is out the window you've been doing like the same movement patterns for so long and so if you then want to get into a a sport or something totally new you just have to really respect that your buffer for injury is going to be a whole lot smaller because you haven't had that variability you haven't had that exposure to all these different styles of contraction and loading so this is the pathway is is building up a good foundation and that's yeah. why with the foundation phase in um the gym here and also like the general prep stuff that um most gyms do it's all about building up a foundation and then like spending a bunch of time on just the regular progressions to build up a really like solid um base level and then this is where you if you have specific goals and you want to get nitty-gritty like this is where you take it. Yeah, yeah and just, awesome. just like with us, like, you know, going back in the giant stuff, light introduction phase, that's where our boys build and that's when they kind of start specialising into like, just like Phil said. Mm -hmm. So yeah, perfect. Awesome, awesome. So we've got one question from Stephen Pellegrino here uh, before we finish the show today. Stephen said, what do you all think about all the popular fascist stuff these days, i.e. anatomy trains, etc." Um, yeah, so th <laughs> if, for those who don't know, Anatomy Trains is basically like the, um, the, the Thomas Myers. Thomas Myers, yeah. my, my first book and favourite book in the physio world. Is that? Controversial, 
very controversial, but yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so his, his kind of idea is, I mean, maybe you want to go into it because I haven't probably done as big a deep dive on it, but it's the idea that, that fascia, which is basically a connective tissue that um, surrounds all the structures in your body, ha- play a much larger role in like the both the strength and stability systems in, in the body. Yeah, I think it dives back to what I was saying, mechanical advantage, everything's got a link to it, mate. So I think you've, like that book basically shows, and I'll use an example, your pec minor, so your pec major to pec minor into your rectus, into your ductor, to your quad, into your calf, into your toe. Mm. That's the link there. So um, every time you are lifting, I think that book kind of helps well, physios understand anatomy, but everyday people understand that everything's got a role to play and everything has an influence in somewhat. So example, your shoulder press, it all starts at the toe. And again, a very, very controversial topic. <laughs> um, all starts at the toe and it's all the way up to your torso, your core, your trunk, into your upper body into producing a force which is your shoulder press mm. so yeah i i made a, i like the book um again don't dial too much into it because like i said it's a controversial topic yeah i think it it, it, it like you just got to place it in the the kind of bigger picture and um you know fascia is a, a massive part of the human body like there's you've got it all through your body and it's, it's obviously going to play a role um in all of the, like in how the body functions um but and i think you know the way that we kind of talk about basically the um, techniques that create the stability, like that's going to be using partly um, muscle tension. But, you know, if you have muscle tension, you are therefore going to have like fascial tension as well. Mm. So I think people can kind of go way down the rabbit hole with this sort of stuff and, you know, and then look at just like, I don't know, can kind of be so focused on it that then they miss all the like bigger macro loading and micro loading stuff. And that's where I just get a bit funny with these things is like people just want that kind yeah, of yeah they think that oh wow this is this something the fancy this, stuff i'm gonna go yeah. all yes. in on that and so, yeah. yeah and it's exactly how i kind of you know like structure my treatment sessions is it's like there's a treatment hierarchy and basically like are you getting like the big picture stuff right because if not like that's where we're going to start and if you want to get into a really specific like you've got a thing that's really unique to you like we'll look at that, but <laughs> if you're not getting all the big stuff, then that's just going to be a distraction from from getting the biggest benefit. So. Yeah, yeah, nice. I like it. I like it. I have had the fascia on my liver massage by Leroy to help fix my wrist once or twice. So there's uh, there's <laughs> something to yeah. it. Like I said, very controversial, but has its, has its yeah importance. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. yeah, just don't lose sight of the bigger picture with this stuff. Um, Stephen has also asked a practical question about um, how should we go about tracking total volume per day. Um, and so, I mean, do you want to maybe talk about how you guys do, like, I guess the Giants is a good example of the, like, you know, in elite sports, the kind of level of detail they have is, you know, obviously you just, you're doing the simple stuff like, um, Brad would be doing with everyone on the UMS, which is just like tracking, keeping track of what weights you're doing and your program. We we keep it very simple. That, but then like you guys also have like the GPS, um, you know, looking at like how many minutes of running you've done at certain paces and all of that sort of stuff where it gets into that sort of finer detail. But um, in terms of like just exercise programming, like you don't have to do anything too wildly different if you are already, you have a spreadsheet with what you've done. Exactly you right. Yeah, no. we, we, we dial in in terms of weight, what they lift, how much they lift, compare week to week, where's the progression, where's the yep. drop off. So it's simple stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. If you aren't awesome. already, if you aren't already doing that, then that's a great place to start. If you are already doing that, then you're in the right place and put your energy elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and Vinny Brown, well done on that uh, backbridge, mate. I've just uh, seen it there. He's talking about how six months ago he could barely even do it with his feet elevated, 
um, which is an easier uh, progression, a, a, a micro-loading uh, way to change the back bridge. And he's got a video of him doing a, um, a solid effort. At a nice feet, one. Feet and and Vinny does have a, a comment here, which I think is quite you know, um, spot on and, and something that we've um, talked about a bit before, which is, he says, it seems like by the time you've figured out um, you've put too much load on the stretching, it's too late, um, which <laughs> I is something that we've... That. I would agree with that. Sorry, I'm a bit tired. My experience with stretching and with load is that I didn't know that I'd done too much until it was too late. Fortunately, almost every single injury that I've ever had with stretching has been a muscle tear and they heal pretty quickly. Uh, and you've got to learn from it. People always say to me, how do I know when I've gone too far with stretching? And I, in my experience, this is my personal opinion, and I've got a lot of experience with it. Uh, I don't think you know until you've done it, and then you've got to be, I always say to people, say, man, I'm, you know, I've torn a muscle in my groin and I've done this, and I say, take five minutes, close your eyes, and reflect back on what that felt like in the workout, because if you don't learn from that, you're gonna do it again, because that's what I did. I I did the same thing over and over again and I learned the hard way and I now know very well what it feels like to be on the verge of getting a muscle tear from stretching. It, it, in the moment, it just feels like, oh, I can go a little bit harder with this and nah, you're about to tear it. <laughs> That's my experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we're going to be continuing this topic of conversation tomorrow. So everyone in the UMS yeah. online coaching Except group. I will be going on holidays for the next 10 days with my family. Oh, no Very feel. excited. So no, no me, but you'll have plenty of good insight from one of, you know, someone who's dealt with a lot of injuries really successfully. In me. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Have a good day. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept so what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that it's far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.